The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest. Nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. It's so good to worship together. For those of you in the building, it's so great to be together in presence. And for those of you who are streaming this, I know many of you are our global partners, and I just want to say welcome. We are so glad you're with us too. And I want you to know that we love you. We're praying for you. We're praying that you will have fruitful ministries, and, and you're in our hearts and prayers. And it is good to be together around God's Word this morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm uh, Brad Nelson. I'm the Global Outreach Pastor here. And before that, for 20 years, I was the, mission, I was the uh, youth pastor. And uh, whenever I would teach, I would always try to bring stories or object lessons to, just to keep the kids involved, keep their attention with me, and also to help drive a point home. So I want to take you on a journey with me this morning, just for a moment, before we get into the text. A journey to Atlanta, Georgia. Travel back with me about 140 years, back to 1886. And there's a man who created this concoction. This, this, This drink that he thought would heal diseases and cures people's ailments and and make people feel well and give them energy and, and joy. And uh, I thought, I'm going to go and try to sell this. I'm going to take this syrup and I'm going to mix it with carbonated water and I'm going to sell it and make people feel well. And so one day he went into a pharmacy and he said, all right, I'm going to take this concoction and I'm going to sell it to you for five cents. Five cents for a glass of this great concoction. And on a good day, he sold about eight or nine of them. And after a year, he made a whopping $50, which is great for 1886. But the problem was it cost him 70 to make it. So let's fast forward to today. On this day alone, this concoction will sell about 2 billion glasses in one form or another in over 200 countries. The sales are a bit different. Instead of $50 a year, the revenue is $36 billion, which is more revenue than 75% of the countries on earth make. And what was the product? You all probably guessed by now. You can hear it jingling back here. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. 
Did you know that 94% of the population of the world recognizes this logo? And that over 7 billion people know what this is. This is a picture I want to put in your head at the start of our time together, that this little drink that seems so insignificant and just it wasn't much has now become universally known just 140 years later. And I want to show you a picture today of Jesus talking about something that many in the world think is so small too. Just listen and shine. But that has literally the power and the effect to impact your life for the next million years. And not just your life, but every life of every person on this planet for all of eternity. So before we look at the text, I just want to do a quick context of where we're at and a quick summary. So as we've seen, Jesus is now in his public ministry. He's out preaching. He's out teaching. I'm going to get rid of this stuff. I don't want you to be thinking about Coke while we're we're talking about the word, okay? (laughs) And he's out preaching and he's teaching and he is sharing about the good news and ushering ushering in the kingdom of God. And people are are following him and his following is growing and, and he's doing signs and wonders and people are being healed and demons are being cast out and his following is getting bigger and bigger. And then last week we heard from Renee about the parable of the four soils. So first Jesus tells the parable and then the disciples go, tell us what that means. And so he explains to them. He says, the seed that fell on the hard soil. They hear the word, but Satan snatches it up before it can take root. Then there's the rocky soil. They hear the word, they receive it with joy, but then comes the trials and the hardships, and they fall away, and it dies. Then there's the thorny soil. They hear the word, but then it's choked out by the pleasures and the, and the things of the world, and it dies. But the good soil, ah, the good soil, they hear the word, they hold it fast with an honest and good heart, and they bear much fruit. And then we come to today's text, Luke 8, 16 to 18. And... Thank you, Eddie, for reading that this morning. And there are two main points in that text that we get. One is we all need to shine the gospel message in and through our lives. It's so important for us to shine the good news of Jesus. And the second point is we need to listen well. So let's look at the verses in reverse order. Let's start at verse 18, then work our way up to verse 16. So the interesting thing about verse 18 is it's really the summary and the main point of 4 through 15, the parable of the soils. So that's the main point. The parable of the soil is all about hearing and hearing well. And here Jesus is now imploring us in verse 18 to take care, people, take care how you hear. The stakes are high. Your salvation rests on how you hear the good news. Don't hear like the first three soils where Satan or trials or riches come 
and distract you from hearing the word, hearing the truth, hearing the wonder of Jesus Christ. Don't let the world scream its false message to you or it overtakes the gospel and chokes it out of your life. Instead, instead we need to say no to the world and yes to Jesus by hearing and believing his words with a humble and an eager heart. Now, Jesus was a great teacher. As we look through Luke, and as we continue to go through Luke, we're going to see that he was just an amazing teacher. And like all good teachers, he repeats important things he wants people to know and embrace. And as we look through the Gospels, we see this exhortation to hear and to listen over and over and over. And just the surrounding chapters around 8 here, we see that. So let me just highlight a few things here. Chapter 647, at the very end of the Sermon on the Plain, he talks about those who, hearing the words and does them, is like a person who builds his house on the rock. So there's the hearing, hearing the word. Chapter 8, verse 8, he who has ears, let him hear. 815, hear the word and hold fast. 18, take care how you hear. Next week, 21, my true mother and brothers are those who hear the word and do it. Chapter 9, 35, the transfiguration. God the Father speaks through a cloud. This is my son, my chosen one. What's he say? Listen to him. So here we're having God the Father speak through a cloud saying, listen to my son Jesus. It's amazing. The point is clear. We need to listen. And then in verse, I mean, in in the book of Mark, in the same story, the way Jesus starts it out is saying, listen, exclamation point. So the point is clear. Jesus and God want us to listen to the words of Christ. It's so, so important. But why should we listen? Why should we take care of how we hear? I've got about four or five reasons here. Number one, no one has ever spoken like Jesus before. Remember the story where the enemies are trying to trick him and they were asking him questions and then they went back empty-handed and the leader said, where is he? Where's Jesus? And they said, nobody teaches like this man. His teaching was stunning. Second thing, Jesus spoke the words of God. He spoke what God wanted him to say. In the book of John, Jesus says, the words you hear are not mine, but they are from the Father. So Jesus is the mouthpiece of God the Father while he's on earth. Third reason, Jesus' words have power. They have have supernatural power. Remember when he's in the boat and the storm is brewing and the waves are crashing and the disciples are freaking out and he, they wake him up and they say, we're going to die. And Jesus says, wind, storm, be still. Or remember he was with someone who was, was on a stretcher and couldn't walk and he said, take up your mat and walk. The wind obeys him. Sickness and, do- and disease hear him and obey him. Or how about when he's with, talking with, with uh, demons? He says, get out of him and go into those pigs. The demons hear him and they obey him. Or how about when he says to Lazarus, 
Lazarus, rise up and walk. Death hears him. All these things hear him because Jesus has power in his words. There are power, supernatural power, in the words of Jesus Christ. Fourth reason, his words give us joy. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So his spoken words can help us have joy in him. Jesus is saying, I know how to make you happy. I made you. Listen to me. Listen to my words, and you can have joy. But probably the most important thing and the best reason to listen to Jesus' words is that his words lead us to eternal life. Belief in Jesus doesn't come by waving a magic wand, but by hearing the words of truth. We know that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Jesus said, I come to bring you life, and to have it abundantly, so listen to me. So his words awaken faith. And the reason? Because his words reveal who he really is and what he does to obtain eternal life for us. We see the glory of Jesus and the all-sufficiency of his work through his words, and then faith comes alive, and we have new life. But not everyone hears well. Some hear the words, but do not really hear them as true or compelling. They see what he's talking about, but they do not see it as beautiful and convincing. They're not hearing the truth. They're not hearing well. So, if you want to have eternal life, we need to listen to Jesus, and we need to take care how we hear. We need to live and listen with a humble and eager heart. Verse 18 gives us another reason. It says, look at verse 18, the second half. For whoever has, to him more shall be given. And whoever does not have, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Now, what does that refer to? Well, there are two parts to this. There's the positive and the negative. The positive says, whoever has, to him more will be given. And I think this is referring back to the parable of the soils again, where he says, if you have ears to hear and an honest and good heart, then more will be given. And the more there, I think, will be understanding You will see Jesus for who he is and what he did. You will see him as the Son of God who takes away the sins of the world. You will see him as the Lord of your life and you will love him. You will want to have more of him in your life. You want to grow more and have more Bible and more worship and more prayer and more fellowship and just more of Jesus in your life. And the second thing will be there'll be more fruit. And again, if we look at the account in Mark, you'll see at the very end it says, and you will have fruit 60, 80, 100 fold. So for those who have, the more will be more understanding, more love of Jesus, and more fruit. Now the second part is a warning. From the one who does not hear, even what he thinks he has should be taken from him. It refers to the other three soils and the failure to hear with a good heart and with true spiritual ears. It refers to, um, in each of these soils, there's a hearing of the word. The, the, the people hear it, but in each case, it does not take root. It does not last. It's not true and compelling. So what they think they have, 
It's taken away from them. And the great thing about this verse is Jesus in his love for you and his desire for you to love him even more is warning you not to ignore his word. Don't let Satan snatch the seed because we know that he'll do anything he can to take the word out of your life. Don't let hard times drown out the gospel message and cause you to question his love. Don't let the riches of the world take away the true riches of knowing Christ. Because if you do, if you ignore the word and not humbly and eagerly receive it, what you have will be taken from you. You'll be living in darkness and separated from the love of Christ. So the point of this verse, the point of verse 18, is to interpret what was happening in the four soils. So we need to take care and listen well. Now that brings us to verses 16 and 17. They kind of seem out of place. But Luke, I mean, because all of a sudden it's the soil, and then all of a sudden here's light, and then the main point of the soils. But I think Luke includes them, these two verses in the story, because um, they are a result of hearing and bearing fruit. Let's look at verse 17. Nothing is hidden that will not become evident. So Jesus is making plain that the hiddenness of the gospel mentioned in verse 10 is not meant to hinder the disciples from bold public demonstration and proclamation of the word of God. I think what he's doing here is he's correcting a misunderstanding from verse 10. Jump up to verse 10, which says, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So that looks like a limitation on the openness and the universality of the offer of the word of God, but it's not. They are to let their lights shine brightly. They are to cast the seed freely. But there was a season in the way that Jesus was not open, fully open, while he was here. For example, just the fact that he's speaking in parables. Through the parables, hearts are going to be revealed. All who have hearts that are tender are going to hear the words and understand them. But if your heart is hard, you will not really hear the parables. Parables confirm spiritual blindness and deafness. It's almost like a judgment on the people at that time. That those without ears to hear, the parables make no sense. They're not discernible. But for those whose hearts are tender, the parables reveal Christ's greatness and help us understand the secrets and the divine mysteries of God. Another way that it was kind of hidden was that when he was casting out demons, he would say to them, don't say anything, because they knew who he was. They knew he was the Son of God. And he forbid them from saying that to anyone, which seems strange. You'd think that he'd want his reputation to be out there, like, yes, I'm the Son of God, follow me. But he said, no, don't say it. The same with some healings. There are people who would heal and say, don't tell anyone. And then there's the transfiguration. It just seems amazing. So here's Jesus standing with Moses and Elijah, and they're in this glory, and the heavens open up, and God says, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And Peter, James, and John are there, and I'm sure they're going, whoa, this is like, we just heard from God, and we got to go and tell people. But they didn't say anything to anyone until after the resurrection. 
there was this hiddenness. There was this hiddenness. Why were things being hidden? I think verse 17 kind of infers that in God's justice, there are wise and sovereign purposes for concealing the mystery of who he was for a season from some. But that is not your business. You take what I give you now and you make it known far and wide. Matthew 10, 27 says, What I tell you in darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. So there is a hiddenness during his earthly life. But soon, soon after Jesus' resurrection, these things that are hidden will become clear. And that brings us to verse 16. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but instead he puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Jesus is saying, don't hide it once I've given it. Don't put your fruit away or cover your light, for I know the season of hearing and I know the season for silence, and now is the time for spreading. Now is the time for shining. You need to scatter the seed everywhere. You, all of you, all of us, need to put our light on a stand so that everyone can see. This is a command for everyone, every believer in this room. We all need to let our lights so shine. If you look back at verse 15, the fruit is now the light of verse 16. And this light is meant to help people come into the kingdom of God. He changes images from fruit to light. And this is not surprising because we know from other New Testament teaching that bearing fruit means doing good deeds, doing good deeds of faith for the glory of God. We see that in Colossians 1. We see that in Luke 3. We see it in Matthew 5, 16, where Jesus calls these good deeds, as a result of our faith and love, light. And we read verse 15, I mean 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So in other words, the fruit that grows from the good soil of verse 15 is the good deeds of faith in the word of God that was heard and obeyed. And those good deeds are called light, which helps people get into the kingdom of God. It helps people see Jesus for who he is and what he did and to recognize the glory and the truth of God and to trust in him and to love him and to follow him. So it's so important to let our light shine. Let me give you an example. Let me try to share a little example of all this. So picture yourself on a journey in pitch black darkness, okay? And you're walking with a friend who's trying to find his way and he's bumping into things, and he's tripping on things, and he's walking into the wall. And you say to him, friend, I have a light. It'll help you. It'll help you see. But your friend says, no, I, I got this. I'll figure this out on my own. And he kind of continues to fumble through and trying to find his way. And his pride says, I can do this, even though there's a light to help. But he rejects it. He doesn't embrace it. He may hear your words, but he's not really hearing you because he won't take the light. And that's the way it is with so many people in the world and how many people live in this moment. 
and maybe even some in this room walking in darkness, not listening to the light. So my question is, how are you doing? Are you getting in the word daily? Are you meditating on it? Are you humbly and eagerly seeking Jesus every day? You know, I know for all of us, it's so easy to get caught up in the busyness of life, trying to do so many things that you don't have time to hear Jesus. We focus our mind on so many trivial things in this world, too, that we're not listening, we're not hearing Jesus, we're not listening careful, we're not seeing his light. And Jesus calls out, people, I have a light. If you want happiness, I can do that for you. I created you. If you want meaning in life, I can lead you. I can help you. I know how to fulfill your heart. And once you humbly and eagerly receive it, I want to bless you. I want to bless you by giving you more and more and more of myself. And he wants to pour that out on us. And Jesus says, I want to help you live. And this is a glorious picture of his love for us. And there are two responses we can have. We can embrace that and soak in the love of Jesus and be fruitful. Or we can reject it, as so many people have. They say no to his love, either outrightly or functionally. We live in a dark and evil world. Our thinking can be so warped, so skewed. Matthew 24 says that as sin increases, the hearts of most will grow cold. So when they see the light or they hear the words of the gospel, they say no. They ignore it. But then there are way too many others who've never even had the opportunity to see the light or hear about Jesus. So Jesus is saying in this text, no longer is my name and my redeeming work to be hidden. It is to be shouted from the rooftops and placed on a stand for all the nations to see. We want people to see that Jesus is glorious and wonderful and beautiful and winsome and full of love. The Bible tells us he is the preeminent son of God. And because he is above all things, there are no chains of sin. There are no flames of hell. There are no maneuvers of Satan that Jesus cannot overcome. His love is so deep. It is beyond portrayal. Jesus can look at someone who is cursing him, resisting him, wanting nothing to do with him, a man who has broken his law and his commandments, wandering in the dark, and say to that man, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you new life. I'll give you abundant life, for I love you, for I died for you. Isn't that the kind of deity you want to seek and to glorify and to honor and to praise and to follow and to treasure and to carefully listen to so that we can shine brightly for him? Isn't this the news that we want to get to the nations? So teenagers and young people, Jesus is better. Jesus is better than any social media or games or fashions or money or porn or popularity. And adults, let's show them that Jesus is better than anything the world has to offer, that there is life and joy eternal when we hear the truth and eagerly and humbly receive it. Don't underestimate the power of God to do miraculous work in your life. 
and your friends and even the unreached people. For remember, his word has power. Jesus is the greatest gift of all. And he's not just to soak in. It's not just for us to sit and bask and soak. That's important. But we also need to scatter the seed and shine the light of Jesus brightly through our good works, through our testimony for all to see. So, this brings me back to Coke. I don't know if I dare put it there. I should have brought a can. I'm going to put it, well, put it here. How can such a small, significant little glass of Coke about 140 years ago become so big and universally known and influential? To be honest, folks, I'm not happy. I'm not content to have Coke be more popular globally than Jesus is. And that, that's a hard thing. That a bottling company has done a better job selling brown sugar water to the nations than the church has done sending out the greatest news of Jesus Christ in 2,000 years. Surely this is not tolerable for us that 94% of the world recognize this symbol but know nothing about Jesus Christ. Surely this is not tolerable. Surely this, this needs to change. God brought all of us into the kingdom for all of us to make known the reality of his love and the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. So people, let's put an end to our casual or cultural Christianity and let's go deep in the word. Let's love this book. Let's go deep in, in Jesus, trusting it not to only work in our lives, but to do powerful redeeming work to the lost here in our neighborhood and to the ends of the world. God has put Bethlehem, Bethlehem in the city for about 152 years. And I'm happy to say that in that time, we've sent out over about 300 missionaries into the world to shine brightly for Jesus. We sent them to Burma and Chad, from Morocco to Thailand, from Russia to South America, and South Africa and Senegal and the Horn of Africa, and every place in between. And we've seen some amazing things happen through our global partners. Bibles being translated, schools being started, families being united in Christ. Businesses have been started, churches have been planted, lives have been radically changed through signs and wonders. Hindus, Muslims, animists have embraced Christianity. The Kachin people have come to embrace Christ because of our global partners. This has been a grace on Bethlehem. It's been a sweet, sweet thing over the years. And I pray that it will continue and he's also put us in the city of Minneapolis, which amazingly, the nations are here at our doorstep. We have people all around us who are from hard to reach places and people groups. When I was shopping yesterday to get some Coke, I think I heard about eight different languages in the Walmart. I thought, this is amazing. They're all right here buying Coke with me. We have a significant ministry in the city, and we've had one for years with great fruit, and we can list a lot of the fruit. Kenny started back a long time ago, and Marlene Johnson did things a long time ago, and, and we've had such an impact on the city, and I just pray that we would continue to bless our city and be in a light for the city. So, Bethlehem, let's, let's take our hands out of our pockets, and let's take the seed 
Let's spread it. Let's spread it in Elliott Park. Let's spread it to the homeless guys right across the street. Let's spread it in the Phillips neighborhood. Let's spread it on Washington Avenue, these beautiful new high-rises. Let's spread it in the University of Minnesota, and the international students. Let's shine our light in Bloomington, in Plymouth, in Woodbury, to Delano. So, Bethel, my prayer is that we would continue to shine brightly because I believe that the gospel light will shine the furthest when it's strongest at home. So let's keep our light shining bright. And that's one of the reasons I personally am very excited about getting Bethesda as a new and additional lighthouse for our city to reach the lost and to disciple new believers, people who would not want to come into a church but would come into a little community center. So let's live and give and pray and go sharing the greatest news in the world so that people can hear the truth and humbly and eagerly receive it, becoming brothers and sisters in Christ. So in conclusion, listening and hearing is a high calling for us because our salvation hangs on it in verse 12. Your fruitfulness hangs on it in verse 15. The spreading of the gospel hangs on it in verse 16. And in the end, the glory of God hangs on it, Matthew 5, 16. So Bethlehem, Bethlehem, my loved ones. Take heed how you hear, and let's shine brightly for him. Amen. Let's pray. So Jesus, I just pray that you, Spirit, would be working in among us, giving us a heart for you, Jesus, giving us ears to hear the truth of your gospel. We thank you so much for who you are and what you've done for us, Lord, and I just pray that the reality of that would become so real that we couldn't help but shine brightly, being that sweet aroma, sharing with other people the good news of the gospel. So Lord, do your work in each and every one of our hearts, I pray. Thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.